Hello, I'm Neil Aitchison and welcome to Warwick Podcasts. Joining me is sociology professor Zlatko Skirbish from the University of Queensland in Australia, who is here at Warwick as part of a programme to promote collaboration on international research projects across countries and disciplines by inviting 15 scholars from across the world to come to Warwick as part of a visiting fellowship. Professor Skirbish's research focuses on the politics of belonging, a sense of identity that keeps society together, which his analysis indicates is disintegrating, threatening the cohesion of society. A particular focus has been the idea of global identity since 9-11, and particularly the stigmatising of Muslims or people from ethnic groups as outcasts and a threat. Professor Skirbish has considered the issue in an Australian context, but his work mirrors many of the debates here in the UK, like the failure of multiculturalism. Uh, Professor Skirbish, perhaps we can first start then with uh, uh, getting to the root of this idea of what is belonging in this context? I see belonging as one of those um, uh, interesting uh, uh, soft social science concepts. Um, Belonging is... I suppose one of those things that kind of keeps society going over time. Uh, It is something that binds us together and uh, helps us form communities. Uh, I like to think about society as community of belonging or communities of belonging. Um, In terms of, of or ethnically diverse and religiously and culturally diverse societies, I think the concept of belonging becomes quite crucial. It is actually quite critical for understanding of uh, a whole myriad of processes that are taking place in society. Um, In recent times, as you already pointed out, the whole question of belonging has become um, extremely important. It became an issue of public debate. Belonging has uh, been uh, denied to certain groups. Um, Some people believe that members of other groups do not as rightfully belong to their society as they do uh, because of certain ethnic, religious or cultural characteristics. So in many ways, uh, belonging is, uh, is really a, 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 a political process. It is something that is continuously negotiated in, uh, in everyday context. And um, when ties of belonging weaken, uh, we are facing the possibility of, uh, of a whole range of uh, possibly negative consequences. F- people feel alienated, people feel that they do not belong, uh, that their right to belong is denied, questioned. And I think in many ways belonging is often symbolically contested. And this is really what my, my case studies that I'm going to talk about in my public lecture at Warwick is all about. It is about how you symbolically contest belonging to somebody else. Uh, and it's uh, what adherence to uh, uh, shared values or uh, buying into those sort of share, sh- shared values, is that what a sense of belonging means in, in reality? You've raised a very important question because, uh, um, f- for example, I think the, the simplest way of thinking about society or certain Uh, cultural identity, national identity, is to think about certain things that make people Australian, let's say, or British. 
So what we often do is we think of the kinds of characteristics that, uh, that British people possess, normally possess. Now, of course, we enter here a territory, a terrain of political and cultural stereotypes. And I think this is a very, very dangerous, dangerous territory. And in many ways, what I'm talking about in my case study about Cronulla riots in Sydney in 2005 is precisely that. The belonging of certain groups of people, Muslims in this case, is denied precisely because they are not seen as possessing certain types of values that are recognized as, as typically Australian, let's say. What constitutes typical Australianness, of course, is another, is another question and highly contested as well. Because people who have denied belonging to Muslims or people of, as we call them, people of Middle Eastern appearance, are actually um, operating with very, with, with very stereotypical notions of Australianness themselves. So what constitutes Australians? Well, Australianness, well, you know, Australians are people who and then you can kind of list a number of characteristics. There are people who enjoy open spaces, who enjoy footy, who enjoy cricket, who love barbecue, love beer, and so on and so forth. Now, what you actually end up is, is a whole series of not only stereotypical notions of what Australian identity is, but also notions of identity, symbols of identity, that Australians, many, many Australians would even deny they represent them in any significant way. Just out of interest, it's interesting to get an Australian's view of Britishness then. I mean, how would you uh, uh, typify a sense of belonging, of identity, of the, of, of the UK, of British culture? I don't think I can, I can, uh, <laughs> I can uh, qualifiedly make any, any statements on this topic, uh, to, I'm afraid. It would be something like pubs, I suppose, and reservedness and well, of course, this elements is, like that. This is, a, this is a, a language of stereotypes, of course, but, but uh, I'm sure there are British out there who would uh, very much deny that uh, a culture of going to the pubs and so on would represent them in any adequate way. Uh, and how is that sort of cohesiveness, that togetherness then... Uh, disintegrating and particularly your sort of focus on uh, sort of post 9-11 the uh, ostracization of the, the Muslim uh, population it, uh, and how is that disintegrating then? I'm not sure I would actually use the term disintegration because uh, I think this is far too a uh, uh, far too radical description of what is actually happening. I'm actually not talking about a disintegration of of, of societies as we know it. Um, I think that's far too, not only too radical, but also alarmist. Um, what I basically am talking about are ways in which the kind of imagined stability of society is ruptured by some of these contestations of belonging. So that's exactly what I'm, I'm talking about. So I'm not saying that there has been a some sort of dramatic shift in the way in which um, or, or that the, the society, society's cohesion has been seriously challenged in any way, at least not in Australian context. The question of Muslims in Australia is not a, such a big topic, actually, as it is in Britain. And you need to understand the background for that. I mean, in Australia, there are only about, according to latest census in 2006, there are only about 340,000 plus Muslims. This is not really a great, great population um, compared to, to Britain, where I believe that one in 50 British citizens are Muslims. So you have a completely different, different, different scales of phenomena. 
But it is precisely for this reason that I think that looking and understanding at the way in which uh, Australians are kind, Australians perceive Muslims or ways in which Muslims experience their belonging in Australian context is particularly interesting because uh, it is, uh, you know, the picture is is not as clouded by these public uh, disputes, events, unfortunate events such as bombings and so on. And uh, so, so in many ways, British context is very, very different to, to Australian one. That doesn't mean that Australia is an ideal picture. That's why, that's why my, my research uh, uh, indicates. I mean, there are ruptures, there are problems. But what we can see is a relatively uh, a neat picture of these contestations. And what is that picture then? That uh, it is a sort of view of the Muslim population being a threat to the indigenous population? When it comes to discussions about Muslims in contemporary Western plural democracies, I think it is unavoidable to actually understand, to, to kind of consider the background to some of these debates at the moment. Clearly, uh, things have shifted, things have changed after 9-11 in relation to all Muslim communities around the world. There is very little doubt about that. It is precisely against this background of, of war on terror that influences the way in which Muslim, uh, Muslims in Australia and in other Western pluralist democracies are actually finding themselves. Uh, the context is really shaped by, by the shadows of, of uh, war on terror in many ways. What we are finding is that Muslims in Australia certainly feel disenfranchised. They feel alienated and there is plenty of evidence that says that they don't feel that they belong or that they have the same kind of rightful sense of belonging than other non-Muslim Muslim populations. And I think this is, a, this, is, this is interesting and important to consider because basically this kind of statement about not feeling about, about a sense of non-belonging really comes from, uh, from young people in particular. Now these are people who have nowhere else to go. These are people who were born and, and, and educated and socialized in the Australian context. And to question belonging to a person who actually considers a state in which he or she lives as their own, um, I think we are talking about a, a, a fairly, fairly big issue and potentially highly problematic issue. Now, the question is, is this situation in which Muslims find themselves when they think that they, they you know, that their belonging is somehow questioned or contested, is this the first time in history that this happened? And the question is clearly not. Every new wave of migrants confronts certain challenges. Um, and this was certainly the case in relation to Mediterranean migrants in the, in the post-Second World War in, uh, period in Australia. It happened to Asian migrants in late, you know, starting from late 1970s with mass, with, with influx of refugees from Asia, from Vietnam, at the beginning, uh, in 70s and 80s, there was a big debate about Asian migration and and uh, and uh, 
Asian ghettos in 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 early 19 mid 19 mid 1980s and so on and so forth so phenomenon of contestation of belonging is not new but i think what we need to understand is that muslims find themselves in circumstances that are basically underlined by these global political events and i think that's a very important characteristic and what has been the reason for that then that uh, it, it has been a a war upon the Muslim faith is that why that uh, this uh, sense of belonging has uh, been diminished it is clearly intervention in in places like Iran and Afghanistan are seen as interventions in Muslim countries and in many ways these the 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 Muslims in Australia s certainly have certain ties and connections with many of these places overseas and uh, it is um, uh, just a I suppose a uh, uh, an expected reaction uh, that people kind of form links of solidarity with their their relations with with people of their own faith we have those kinds of we've seen those kinds of connections forming before and these connections have led to all sorts of practices that many people would not approve. I've done research in the in the early 1990s uh, among some of the Balkan communities in Australia, and what we have seen is that not only were members of these communities in Australia highly educated, but some of them even took up the arms and went back to fight. So. In many ways, I'm not suggesting that there has been this kind of a militarist, that this is a mil massive militarist response or anything like this. And I'm certainly not saying that we have seen that among, among Australian Muslims. But what I'm saying is these kinds of re responses are certainly not without precedent. And we need to understand them within that kind of broader, broader context. And what has been the result of that? Uh, you've seen in Australia then, you sort of referred there a moment ago about the uh, the, the Cronulla, Cronulla Beach Riots. Uh, just perhaps explain a bit, a bit about the background of that uh, and how that relates in this context then. Cronulla Riots took place in, uh, in December 2005 and they were basically a, a, a tension, a conflict, um, a violent conflict between two groups of people. On the one hand, you had let's call them locals, or in inverted commas, Australians. On the other side, you have people of Middle Eastern appearance. Now, this is the second time now I've mentioned this term. This is a peculiarly Australian way of labelling people who look Arabic, for example. The concept itself, uh, my colleague from Manchester Metropolitan University, uh, Scott Pointing has done a lot of work on the on this on this concept of Middle Eastern appearance, but the concept kind of emerged in the, in the late 1990s to describe people who were un-Australian, uh, particularly to describe Lebanese um, uh, when involved in in uh, what was what could be classified as un-Australian acts, and some of these were were highly publicised, but the concept of people of people of Middle Eastern appearance kind of underwent an evolution of a sort as as the as uh, with global events uh, with 9/11 and so on this kind of concept of the idea of people a person of middle eastern appearance suddenly kind of shifted from describing a, an an arab looking or a lebanese looking 
um, individual to a Muslim. So in many ways, the conflict between at Cronulla Beach was not a conflict straightforwardly between Muslims and non-Muslims and Australians. But it, it was far more complicated than that. But I think the, the, the riots themselves describe uh, a very good indication of what actually happens when one group of people, Australians, quote-unquote, in this case, denies uh, a rightful sense of place to another group of people. And these were people of Middle Eastern appearance. Uh, and what actually sparked the riots was a sort of tension between these people of Middle Eastern appearance uh, and uh, white women who they were being aggressive towards. That sort of sparked the riot process. There were two kind of sets of incidents that sparked the riots. One was the uh, uh, provocative behaviour towards of, of men of Middle Eastern appearance against what was perceived, what we could describe as local women, white Australian Australian women. Over their promiscuity as they, as they well, perceived they, it. Exactly. They, they perceived their naked, nakedness uh, and behaviour as rather promiscuous. What exactly was happening and what took place is, is slightly contested. But nevertheless, the, the perception was that the two groups stood in, in contrast, in radical opposition to one another on these issues of, of freedom, of behaviour, of what is appropriately Australian and what isn't. And there was a sort of a backlash by uh, white men in the area uh, against these comments that uh, were being made towards the, the white women, and that sparked a riot. Exactly, and what we also know is that uh, uh, the uh, the perpetrators of violence were not only white men, but also white women. Uh, there is plenty of footage indicating that. Of course, the other side responded uh, responded in a similar similar kind of way. So there were attacks and counter-attacks, and this is what I'm going to talk about in today's lecture. The other thing, of course, that is very important in this context to remember is that this was happening on the beach. And the beach is really one of those stereotypical Australian places. You can't find the more Australian places in public imagination in Australia than the beach. And, of course, non-Australian, un-Australian behaviour on the beach was really considered as tantamount to, you know, as, as, as equivalent to kind of betrayal. Of course there are lots of other symbolic tensions behind this, but I find this kind of conflict on, at Cronulla Beach really, really very interesting. Now, one of the really, um, really interesting, most interesting images from these riots is an image that was widely circulated in the media uh, of of young Caucasian-looking men with uh, with a with an inscription on their backs saying, "We grew here, you flew here," and I think this statement goes to the very core of what we are talking about: that a certain group of people believes that they have legitimate right to defend the beach, to represent the beach, to represent Australian values against what they perceive as a group of intruders. Now remember, the group of intruders are actually Australian citizens who happen to be, to look different, to be of different faith and so on and so forth. So this is the result of this loss of belonging, uh, of riots, of violence, of a disintegration of society. I would 
disagree with this because I don't think that they are, they are, they are, they are indicative of any disintegration of society. I think if we are not paying attention to what is actually happening, um, then we may end up with a problem that may have much more, much wider consequences and may lead to, I suppose, uh, uh, a loss of a sense of community uh, among some members of the community at least. Now, this is to some extent already happening. Uh, but, you know, this is precisely why we need to understand these processes, we need to understand their background and we do need to understand uh, their logic, uh, because without that we cannot move forward. And I think the worst thing we can do is really uh, resort continuously to these stereotypical notions of what constitutes Australianness, what constitutes Muslimness and so on and so forth, and work on that. Um, this probably isn't the best way to kind of work through some of these issues. Um, remember, we are talking about tension between people who have exactly the same right to belong to a particular society. These are people who have, who in most cases were born in the same country. These are people who hold exactly the same type of passport. These are people who have exactly the same legal rights. And contestation between them is a very tricky matter indeed. And that was the, the next question then. What is the, the cure to this, to re-establishing this kind of essential uh, sense of belonging? There are different ways of going about it. I think uh, my, my first reaction to your question is really that we need to kind of keep talking about, about some of these, of these problems. I, I guess I'm, I'm very concerned that um, when, when I see that um, political elites do not engage adequately with these issues, they either ignore them or they use completely inappropriate language to, 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 deal, and, to deal with these issues and, and attempt to address them. Uh, for example, not so long time ago, uh, a Liberal um, Party representative uh, in Australia stated that, you know, if, if white Australian women are going to continue with abortions at a particular rate, that Australia will become a Muslim country. I mean, there is absolutely no, no, no clear logic in this kind of argument. But it, of course, this sort of argument uh, it usefully mobilizes certain types of emotions that can be quite counterproductive. The previous Australian government, at least, has been very, very uh, unhelpful in that regard, I believe, uh, with the Prime Minister Howard, for example, even refusing to mention the word multiculturalism. Um, I think, so the first part of, to your question is that we need to keep those dialogues going. And I think that is really the first necessary and most important step in the process of building bridges ag across these communities. I know that we are, this sounds perhaps a little bit a, a little bit naive and 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 perhaps uh, um, you know out of a out of a politician's book uh, but this is probably really the first and necessary step we need to undertake in addition to this of course we need to understand uh, we need to make sure that uh, that uh, the, the the kind of a political framework within which uh, identities of of Australians are negotiated uh, is 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 safeguarded, um, and that we have a a a common 
sense of a of a civic framework, which which uh, is a is a is a kind of a backdrop to to some of these some of these debates and processes. I think there is a lot to be done on in this area as well. Um, the recent the, the previous Australian uh, Liberal government, for example, uh, was very unhelpful in uh, in. Um, uh, creating a an advisory body, a Muslim reference group, uh, which uh, uh, was supposedly um, uh, to advise the Premier and Cabinet on, on issues relating to Muslims. Now what was very interesting about that reference group is that, uh, that it was um, stacked with, uh, with, um, uh, with uh, Imams and, and um, it, it kind of gave a completely non-secular character to Muslim community in Australia. And I think that is really not very helpful because majority of Muslims uh, perhaps do not consider themselves as, as, as religious Muslims. Now what we do know is that the new government is now reconstituting this reference group. So let's hope that they make better choices. And just uh, turning finally to the visiting fellowship that uh, you're uh, part of here, and, and how is that, how is your time here uh, added to you to hope to the collaboration between Warwick uh, and Queensland and the work done here uh, and over there in Australia? I have existing contacts with colleagues here at the University of Warwick um, and um, um, I'm sure you'll be pleased to, to hear that uh, University of Warwick uh, sociology department at Warwick is considered to be one of the one of the strongest in in Britain and certainly has incredibly solid international reputation. So I feel I'm really privileged to to be here to to uh, work with my with my colleagues and to to um, to basically build new relationships with with colleagues I have only known uh, through their work but never met them personally. So I think it is a uh, the 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 program uh, that uh, the Institute of Advanced Studies has instituted um, is this fellowship is is really a, a wonderful opportunity to build these linkages and nurture them into the future. I have uh, uh, in the last two weeks I have uh, worked on a number of of ideas for for future collaboration. Uh, one immediate thing that comes to mind is of course the conference that I'm organising with with a, a colleague from Warwick, uh, Professor Peter Ratcliffe. Uh, we are organizing a conference on issues of, of migration, ethnicity, nationalism um, in, uh, in Barcelona in September 2008. So there is uh, much has been achieved and of course uh, uh, much will still be done uh, after I leave.